Hello everyone, we're in the book of uh, Esther, as you know, and this is the fourth um, time that we've looked at this little book, and I want to read three or four extracts from the book, from the book chapter 2, verses 5 to 7, Mordecai brought up Hadassah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother, who Mordecai, when her father and mother were dead, took for his own daughter. Chapter 2, verse 11. Mordecai walked every day before the court of the women's house to know how Esther did and what should become of her. Chapter 2, verses 18 to 20. Mordecai sat in the king's gate. Esther had not yet showed her kindred nor her people as Mordecai had charged her, for Esther did the commandment of Mordecai like as when she was brought up with him. Chapter 2, verses 21 and 22. In those days, while Mordecai sat in the king's gate, two of the king's chamberlains, Bigthan and Teresh, of those that kept the door, were wroth, and sought to lay hands on the king Ahasuerus. And the thing was known to Mordecai, who told it unto Esther the queen, and Esther certified the king thereof in Mordecai's name. Then in chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, King Ahasuerus gave the house of Haman, the Jews' enemy, unto Esther the queen. And Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had told what he was unto her. And the king took off his ring, which he had taken from Haman, and gave it unto Mordecai. And Esther set Mordecai over the house of Haman. I've read these particular verses because I want you to see some things about the character of this man, Mordecai. Previously, we've been likening the account of, his, the account of him in the book of Esther, to our blessed Lord. And rightly so, of course, because it's such a beautiful illustration of that which took place in the life of the Lord Jesus here below. However, what I want us to see today is Mordecai as a mere man, and therefore not just a picture of the Lord Jesus, but an example of what you and I can be in our Christian life by God's grace and strength. We've seen previously that we don't have to have perfect circumstances to be used in the service of our God. Certainly Mordecai didn't have an ideal situation. In fact, his was an extremely difficult and undesirable one. For a start, he was away from his beloved country, the land promised to his people long, long ago. He was far away from the temple, the centre of public and national worship of his God, who he evidently loved and desired to serve. And even though he wasn't personally responsible for it, he was experiencing the discipline and judgment of God on that nation. He was in fact a prisoner in a foreign land, separated from everything he'd ever known. Maybe some of you listening today feel rather like that. It could be that some are enduring extreme difficult, extremely difficult circumstances and it's not because of something you're responsible for personally, but you're in that place because of bereavement or the terminal illness of a family member, or perhaps you've got major problems because of the bad behaviour of others. It may be due to the unfaithfulness of a spouse or the uncontrollable behaviour of children or a child, or perhaps you've been denied fellowship as once you enjoyed it because others' actions have destroyed what was once a source of immense joy and blessing to you. Maybe like many have, the church you are part of 
has taken on something of a religious nature rather than being the source of spiritual food and fellowship that it should be. There's a thousand reasons why you may be able to relate to how this dear, humble little Mordecai, this little man, must have felt, at least at times, he must have felt so dejected and so upset. However, what I want you to notice is that he didn't allow those massive negatives in his life to destroy him or to make his life purposeless. No, he actually used those very things to be positive and employ himself in what he could do and not concentrate on what he couldn't do. The first thing we see is his love for his family. What he did for his uncle's daughter must have been a huge responsibility, emotionally exhausting and incurred considerable expense in every way. You see, the family is a divine institution and, just like the church, is under constant and increasing satanic attack. Divorce, perversity, delinquency, the attempt to remove parental control and discipline, the dangers of social media and a thousand other things are being used to destroy this fundamental and divinely ordained bedrock of society and life, let alone Christian life. However, here was a man whose heart and behaviour was such that he adopted his orphaned cousin, cared for her in such an exemplary way that even when she was queen, she looked to him for guidance and was still ready and willing to obey his every word. You'll notice that throughout the book. It's important to notice that what Mordecai had done for this young woman, who he had brought up, was repaid in Esther's behaviour and attitude towards him. She showed respect, care, a willingness to accept and act upon his guidance, even when she was the queen. She also spoke well of him to the king and ultimately gave the authority handed to her in relation to the house of Haman over to Mordecai. Such was her respect for this man who had acted as her father. I was speaking with someone yesterday and and commenting on the very evident way in which the present generation, largely speaking that is, Uh, aren't so work-oriented as us oldies. And his reply was, I agree. But then he said, but whose fault is it? Perhaps it's ours. And I have to say, well, perhaps it's mine. Let's make sure our behaviour is such that our children, our grandchildren and other family members aren't able to say, We heard what you said, but your actions contradicted it. That's serious, isn't it? And might I also say to you younger ones, be ready to listen, to respect, to regard, to be prepared to be accepting of parental guidance and godly example, because these are gifts from God. And wise young people will heed those things. 
and through doing so will often save themselves from so many pitfalls and sorrows that are waiting to engulf your life. So to conclude, the New Testament teaches how we should behave as parents and children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, says Ephesians chapter five, 6. For this is right. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Isn't it beautiful? The word of God is so relevant to our every need. Here was a lovely man whose name, as we've said before, a little man, but how great he was in this particular uh, characteristic. His fatherhood was such a blessing to this adopted daughter and she ultimately became ultimately became a great blessing to him. God bless his word to you today.